0: You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast... Uh, Well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. (sighs) All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga
1: Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com.
0: And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And uh, I didn't have some stupid-ass intro this morning with trying to do a, a bad voice, uh, because we're not just talking about one movie, and so it was harder for me to tie something in directly. Which kind of makes me sad, because I've had a lot of fun on the last two intros. I feel
1: like we should have just started this episode by going,
0: Bastard! Bastard! <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
1: really just, just start the whole episode with just screaming incoherently into the microphone over and over, because uh, I feel like that's the common thread between a lot of these movies. It's just there's a whole lot of screaming.
0: <laughs> there is so much screaming, which, you know, it makes sense because they're horror movies. Um, we we mm-hmm. should probably go ahead and tell people what the focus of this episode is going to be because they don't know. Right.
1: Because they didn't read their episode description. Right, because it's funny to
0: us that that you're doing the bastard. Bastard. <laughs> because we know what movie you're referencing. Uh I like the thought that
1: that people just like do a podcast roulette and just they, they don't even know what they're listening to. They're just going on to Apple iTunes and just <laughs> hit it hit some kind of random button that cycles through every single podcast on earth and they just happen to land on this one
0: (laughs) you know what i would love it if that happens uh yeah like (laughs) even though we certainly have been guilty of like him hawing around what the uh what the topic of an episode is going to be it's like it it never makes sense why we or other podcasts do that when the topic of the podcast is in the description so a, a good chance that unless you're just like listening and not paying any attention like if you just have a, a playlist going like you've probably already read the description to know why you wanted to click on the episode to listen to it but anywho yes. my my dog Jack concurs with you as you can tell he's <laughs> he's like yeah he's he's barking mad about uh, about people not reading the episode descriptions <clears throat> So, so tonight we are focusing our episode on the Knoxville Horror Film Festival, uh, but we're also going to have just a dash of Fantastic Fest because we can. Um, and this is obviously before the Knoxville Horror Film Festival has taken place, and the reason that we're doing this episode is because very, very sadly we are not going to be able to make it this year. But again global pandemic and uh, having recently had a second kid, still going on very little sleep. There's a number of reasons why it's just not the right decision for us to go this year. Um, But everyone else should go. If you are able to go there, uh, you you should. Knoxville Horror Film Festival is such an amazing film fest. I am legit sad that I'm not going to be able to make it this year but uh, again um, leaving my wife with a two- month old and a uh, two-year-old by the time Knox Warfest would come around that I, I don't feel like that would win me any husband points being like hey you can yeah. take care of two kids under two by yourself right It's
1: like yeah I know you just had a baby I know you just gave birth to a child <laughs> but uh I've got I've got this thing I gotta do yeah yeah probably not justifiable unfortunately movies are great but but you know
0: yeah not, not worth that no and and again because we are still in a pandemic um we are being exceedingly cautious of like having people around and so we can't mm. just easily have someone help watch the kids you know right, if, yeah. if if it was any other year it would be a lot easier to go even with having two kids under 2 or you know right at 2 and under Um, because someone could help out and, and I wouldn't be a terrible husband leaving my wife with two kids, but, um, that's not why you came to this episode. You did not come to hear me (laughs) defend (laughs) why I'm trying to be a good husband. Uh, you, you came to this episode to hear us talk about Knoxville Horror Film Festival. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, before, before Knoxville though, we have to talk about fantastic fest uh, and there's two reasons two main reasons why we're talking about fantastic fest the first reason is because one of the films screaming screaming yes <clears throat> that's what i'm gonna say instead of screaming uh, one of the films screaming at knoxville is the stylist uh directed by joe gevargazian and uh it made its premiere i think it's world premiere i think it made a premiere at Fantastic Fest Uh, and that's where we were able to watch it because Fantastic Fest did a virtual film festival much like uh, Chattanooga did this year and because they did a virtual film festival I was actually able to attend which is so awesome like Fantastic Fest is one of the admittedly many film festivals that I I would love to actually be able to make it to
1: yeah Fantastic Fest is like a bucket that's like the top of the bucket list in terms of going to different types of film festivals because like we know you know a few people who've been to fantastic fest and who've worked it before and it just sounds like exactly the kind of film festival that is made for us i mean much it basically sounds like chattanooga film festival button in in texas yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it yeah
0: and, and i've got friends out in texas and like it is very much like a uh if i could just be less responsible and you know waste more time on the podcast that is absolutely one of the first ones that I would attend um and and yeah like the the overall virtual feeling this year has it, like it has even though I've not been able to attend as many of the live events as I've wanted to it has absolutely given me a lot of like big uh, chat film fest vibes um yeah. mm-hmm. it's yeah not just in the films it's
1: pretty cool the way that the chat film fest really i feel like they are legitimately a trendsetter in terms of the way that these virtual film festivals have gone like i mean it's easily the best one of the ones that i've i've tried to attend and and i feel like (laughs) fantastic well i love that little save of one of the
0: best ones that i've tried to attend
1: tried to attend yeah (laughs) uh at least in terms of the way that the format works and um and i feel like The Fantastic Fest, I mean, Fantastic Fest obviously took a cue from them with the way that they're doing some of those live events, and um, I I do like the way that Fantastic Fest is set up, too, a lot, like, where a lot of the screenings are actually free, you just have to RSVP, and if you happen to miss it, then you can go back later and rent it. Um, I think that that was a a cool way to do that.
0: Yeah, and um, it it definitely is a much smaller window, Um, like, if you if you didn't catch it essentially as it was playing then you've got like maybe a day and then you have to actually pay to rent it um Mm -hmm. so so even though they they did do a free virtual film fest uh they also i think handled it in a smart way to keep it from losing too much money because you know that all these film festivals have got to be losing money this year and and that sucks and anyone who knows anyone in a film fest anyone who knows anyone who creates indie cinema anyone who knows anyone who is involved in small independent cinemas please go support your friends go support these people like this pandemic sucks and it is having uh, just so many uh negative impacts And I don't want to see it kill off indie cinema. I don't want to see it kill off film fests. And based off of how things are going, I don't think that it's going to completely kill them off. Um, But I don't want it to have such a, a a big impact this year that it's harder for them to recover next year. So uh, please do everything that you can to contribute financially. If you're limited in financial support or limited in the ability to support financially, do everything else you can to help promote them like please if you know anyone involved try to help save cinema because you know we we need it the world's a shit show right now and these tiny glimpses of escapism are so so vital
1: yeah this pandemic has really shown us i think how important art is you know i've seen as i remember when it first happened people were like oh yeah this just goes to show like how we don't really need movies and blah 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 or whatever and it's like uh, no, we desperately need these things. We desperately need something to help us get through times like this.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like uh, this isn't the focus of the episode, but my dad's an artist. So I've grown up with art my entire life. And even though films are a different kind of art, like I, I've grown up, <clears throat> excuse me, I've grown up understanding the importance of, of just how, Art can have an impact not only on uh, on emotional expression, but also on uh, on just being able to cope with things and being able to to just kind of experience more of the world. I think that it gives a much fuller uh, a much fuller experience with the world. So, so yeah, art is absolutely vital, and cinema is art, and again we absolutely need it uh yeah so with fantastic fest um speaking of art and and films we're not gonna have a chance to go through a lot of details on all of the films that that we saw um in part because eric is just the worst and only watched one movie over the weekend thanks eric
1: that's very true yes (laughs) yeah i uh i have uh, nathan I have I have other things going on. Um, I also had other movies to watch for other episodes of this podcast. Uh, it's 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 a tough time. Dude, tough time
0: for me. But I have two kids, and I have been sacrificing sleep to mm-hmm. watch movies. It's priorities, man. I
1: think that's probably our our fundamental difference. I. I'm willing to <laughs> sacrifice sleep, but not too much sleep, because otherwise I am non-functional.
0: You know what? This is probably a uh, a good place to say, if I'm a bit rambly today or if I jump around a bit, um, I effectively did not sleep last night because we have another episode coming up uh, that, that we're going to be recording very soon that I needed to find the movie so that I could watch it. And <laughs> it took me probably about an hour and a half to actually find it uh yes i have that many movies and they're not organized which is why it takes freaking forever to actually find them um so yeah by the time that i finally found it and finally started watching it and then my kid woke up again and needed fed and diapered and rocked uh i don't know if i slept last night i think that i did (laughs) but i might not have so so if i'm a bit rambly in this episode um I'm I'm going to blame a combination of kid and love of cinema, and both of them are totally worth it. Also, I have coffee.
1: <laughs> I see that. Yeah, you have you have lots of coffee there.
0: Yeah, big ass cup of coffee. And uh, the, the viewers out there cannot see. Viewers, the listeners out there cannot see, but Eric, you can see. It's a lovely haunted it's, house.
1: It is. Be- it's got like some spooky, spooky trees and, and a nice little crescent
0: moon there, and a house that, uh, like structurally does not make sense. Like anyone who <laughs> would actually live in this house, the something's gonna fall off. Um, it
1: feels feels very uh Burton-esque, very uh very Caligari.
0: It ooh yes, it, it is uh a bit reminiscent of cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Uh, it, you also have the little man in the moon. Look, look at that! You oh, got, I didn't even see that. Yeah, yeah. So not what it's we're cute. talking about, but it's Halloween. <laughs> and again, um <clears throat> my mental the faculties are not great right now. Okay, so uh not gonna go through all of the movies, but man, there there are just a few that I feel like we need to highlight. Uh I, I would love to talk about all of the shorts because I do love short films and and this was a pretty solid selection. Um I don't know when these were made. Like, I don't know if all of these were made during the pandemic, uh, pre-pandemic. I I don't know. Uh, And not all of them landed quite as strong with me, but there was a very solid selection of shorts, um, but it'll just take way too much time to talk about all of them. So just trust me, uh, any of the shorts that screened at Fantastic Fest, check them out but there are a few feature films that I do want us to at least briefly mention. Uh, The first one is, and I'm going backwards in order as I'm scrolling through my letterbox, uh, the queen of black magic, which is a remake of an eighties Asian horror film. And it's not a direct remake in terms of, there were some pretty significant uh, plot differences and it's not the most original movie. Like, watching it there are a few plot points that it's like okay i've seen that before the scares are almost exactly what and when you would expect them and so watching it you're not gonna have like an oh my god this is the most original movie that is going to shatter what cinema is right but also who cares because holy shit it was effective like i cared about the characters the scares even though they were expected like i knew exactly what was happening and what was going to happen but because i was watching very late at night while my kids were asleep with headphones on um there was at least one scene where i had to set my headphones down let the movie keep playing because i knew what i was going to be missing and go to check to make sure that all the doors were locked like it (laughs) it, it was legitimately creeping me out and and again I knew it. It's not like a, oh, that came out of nowhere. It's like, no, of course that's what's going to happen. But it still kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies and it was still super effective and uh, some of the scares or at least some of the creepiness is um, like this ghost woman uh, walking across the floor and so like you get some of the floor creaking and like a foot dragging Mm. across the ground. And my house creaks a little bit when you walk. And by a little bit, I mean, am, am I living on top of a haunted house? Like, it seriously <laughs> creaks all the time. Right. And, and yeah, there's uh, one, one scene that super creeped me out. Um, but, but, yeah, so even though it might not shatter any uh, originality expectations, it, it is still an incredibly solid movie, uh, a very timely and relevant message. And, and again... Solid acting. dug the characters, cared about the characters. Uh, I was mad at some of them. I sympathized with them. Like it really brought out the emotion. There were great atmospheric scares. Um, I guess maybe a couple of jump scares, but again, it was more atmospheric to where you just felt off. Most of the movie, um, incredibly solid i absolutely recommend that people check out the queen of black magic um direct- good. it has a rad poster too oh yeah the, like and i've already seen like two or three different posters for it which you know not um not that unheard of in in today's oh, gotcha, world gotcha. but yeah the all, of, poster. all of the posters are great like the one on imdb like uh like she's holding a skull and there's things crawling out of it i i love it absolutely great uh directed by kimo Stamboel. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name. All right, um, the other because I think that I only watched one, two, not not that many, um, not that many feature films. Uh, How to Deter a Robber is a Christmas horror adjacent movie. It's not really horror. I, it's weird. It's essentially a home invasion movie, which home invasion is horror. I mean, we did an entire home alone episode talking about how home alone absolutely is a horror movie in part mm. because of the home invasion, <clears throat> but this one doesn't rely, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't rely on scares. It's much more comedy, but like, like real comedy, you know, like the comedy comes from uh, people saying and doing what people would kind of say in the real world. It's not like an over-the-top, uh outlandish. You know, it's not like Anna in the apocalypse. People don't actually break out into song during a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, right. Um and some of the reviews for this one were talking about how, you know, it begs the comparison of Home Alone, which, yeah, fine, I guess, but you can also say any uh, home invasion movie especially since this is uh, i forget if i mentioned this a christmas home invasion yeah, yeah it's yeah. gonna get some of those comparisons but not and also who cares and also like everything is like everything else there's surely other things that you can say <laughs> beyond just how it reminds you of something um sure. but yeah how did tour robber it was Uh, Again, a pretty solid Christmas movie. Um, I feel like it will probably make a fairly regular rotation for me once it's available streaming. Maybe not every year, but I would Uh say, you know, every three years, I'll probably be like, you know what? I want to check that one out again. Um, It's a a small cast and great acting. Um, Again, yeah, fine. There's some Home Alone comparisons, but overall... Very solid film. Cool. And I think there were two more feature films that I saw before we actually get to uh, The Stylist. Um, Yeah. So The Boy Behind the Door and Action USA and The Stylist are the three other feature films that I saw. The Boy Behind the Door is... I I want us, I want you to watch the boy behind the door and I want us to do a full episode on it because I feel like there is a ton to discuss with it. I do think, hello, doggy. I do think that it was uh, very, very well made, but there's one major criticism and this isn't even a, it's not a criticism of how the movie was made. It's more of just, this was my main emotional reaction to it. It involves, um, <laughs> it involves a couple of kids that get kidnapped. He's, he's not a fan of your criticism. Obviously not. It involves a couple of kids that get kidnapped. So, you know, like the theme is obviously incredibly dark. It's going to be very difficult for some people to watch. But the decisions that the kids make, like they were so so frustrating that at times it was almost hard for me to be scared because I was more just mad at how dumb their decisions were. Now they were kids and you know, what kid is going to know how to respond uh, in a situation where they've been kidnapped and are chained up in an isolated house. So like it makes sense, which is why uh, I'm emphasizing that it's not a critique of how the movie was made. If anything, Mm it makes it that much more real in terms of, again, what kid is going to know how to escape a situation like this? But some of their decisions, I was like, oh, come on. That is why. Why would you do that? And I wanted to be more scared at the movie. um, (laughs) But some of their decisions were just so frustrating. Uh, But still a solid film. Um, Lots of reviews out there have mentioned that there are some very very obvious references to the shining and there are and and there are um if you've never seen the shining you might not recognize these references but some of the scenes that they reference even if you've never seen the full movie of the shining you still at least know some of these scenes and um that's that's all just Go in expecting that there are going to be multiple times that you're reminded of The Shining. But again, still very well made. Uh, still absolutely want to see more from uh, the people who made this film. Action USA. <laughs> oh my God, Action USA. <clears throat> Action USA is directed by the stunt supervisor from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. This movie god i don't even know where to begin with this movie this movie feels like a um it feels like midnight run meets aqua teen hunger force just in terms of everything explodes literally everything <laughs> at, at one point someone drives through a house and the house explodes <laughs> Was there any
1: particular reason why or it just
0: It just exploded. Just like (laughs) when a car flies off
1: a cliff and then it explodes for no reason.
0: Yes. But at least at least a car, you know, like there's lots of gasoline and no, this like after the car drove through the house, then it exploded. It makes zero sense, uh why there are so many explosions, but that also gives it a lot of its charm, that gives it a lot of its fun. Um it, it has some of those, uh, again, like 80s comedy action feels to it where like they're taking the story seriously, but there's there's a ton of comedy. And um, it, just this is the stunt person's movie, you know, like anyone who has ever loved the work of stuntmen or uh, stunt anyone who has ever thought. I don't know if I can be an actor, but I could be a stunt man. Like, this is the movie for you. It is just a blast beginning to end. Um, it, it Just a nonstop thrill ride. If you ever get a chance to watch it, oh, my God, you absolutely need to watch Action USA. All right. That brings us to the stylist which actually gets us into our uh, transition into Knoxville Horror Film Festival coverage proper and also gives Eric a chance to talk so that I can shut up and uh, and you can start contributing because <laughs> I know that people love hearing me ramble on about movies that I love. especially. Be- I certainly do. Well, especially It, it makes my
1: job really easy. I can just sit here and, and listen to you regale me with tales of of <laughs> movies that... It, it reminds me of being a kid. Like when I was a kid, I remember like going on the school bus in the mornings and my friends would like tell me all about Chappelle's show, which is a show that I could not watch when I was in middle school. But like by the time I actually did watch Chappelle's show, I felt like I had already seen the episode because of how vividly it was described to me. So so yes, it's it's, it's a nice nostalgic touch there to, to just listen to you talk. Well,
0: I'm, I'm glad that I can provide that for you. Uh, Uh, but
1: yes The Stylist which this is uh, it's a film by Joe Gavargazi and and based on a short film right which you've seen haven't you you watched it at a previous Knoxville Horror Festival
0: I believe yes Uh, I think that was actually at the was that the first Knox Horror Fest that I attended it was was one of the first that I attended Um, so so yeah like it's been really interesting to have that be one of my first exposures to Knoxville Horror Film Fest and then like you know, see the work that she's done over the years at other various fests or at other years of Knoxville, um, and then to see her actually direct a feature film like it was really exciting. It it felt felt weird to like see the actual kind of growth the progression. Yeah, that's
1: yeah. cool. Um, it it's funny because it reminds me of a movie that I watched at um, at Knoxville Horror Film Fest, which is a uh, Maniac. Like it kind of feels like a modern update of Maniac, but from a female perspective. And I um, don't
0: think that that was uh, accidental at all because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you you were there when Jill introed Maniac a couple of years ago. And her intro of Maniac, like... Oh, she, yeah, that's right. She did intro it. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and she loves that movie. And I feel like her intro to Maniac actually... Uh, I feel like it actually helped to... Not to improve the movie, but it gave it a different context. Like when Jill intro Maniac, she talked about how um, people should watch it as they're watching a um, or as they would watch a Universal Monsters movie in terms right. of it being like a more sympathetic character, like obviously a monster, but watch it through the lens of tragedy. And and I did. And I feel like that made a huge impact on um on how i viewed maniac and and i think now that what, her love I, I, I remember that now that you say it <laughs> so, well of course you remember it now that i say it because i just said it so unless your short-term memory is just like completely gone well i would have never remembered it without
1: your uh without you <laughs> saying it out loud I, I just yeah i would have never recalled that on my own
0: ah uh, yes um yeah so i i feel like her love of that movie absolutely influenced um, the plot and just driving force of the stylist. Um, And we we should probably mention, before we start diving into this, we're not going to go super in-depth with any of the movies screening at Knoxville Horror Film Fest. In part, because this would be just way too long of an episode if we did give our full in-depth reviews of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, in part, because Knoxville Horror Film Fest is October 23rd through 25th. And we want to give people reason to go beyond the the people who have already bought tickets and beyond the people who already know exactly why they should go. So us talking about these films, it's going to be more of like teaser reviews where we're saying, just a little bit, just some of our thoughts, you know, giving some reasons why people need to see it, rather than going into our typical two-hour-long reviews um, where we nerd about, yes. nerd out about tiny details and overanalyze the crap out of everything. Uh, exactly. So I, I just wanted to throw that in uh, so that people knew what to expect from this. Um, all right, so yes, right. the the stylist. What what are some of your thoughts? And actually. Um, Again, I apologize that I'm jumping around a little bit. Uh, coffee is finally starting to kick in and lack of sleep mm-hmm. and lots of coffee is a great mix. Uh, so on each of the films for the Knoxville Horror Film Festival, and, and we're not going to be talking about all of the shorts uh, that are going to be playing in part because there's just way too many to talk about. And we have not seen all of them yet. Um, the, the only ones that we would have seen are ones that maybe have screened at other film festivals. Um so yeah there's not much we're going to be able to say about the shorts there is a very long list of what's going to be screening on the knoxville horror film festival uh facebook page but for the feature films which is evil dead two pieces uh the stylist grizzly two demons and what am i forgetting
1: we're trying to living dead
0: Yes, Return of the Living Dead. Um, th- those six movies we're going to talk briefly about, but we're going to be talking about them uh, with this general structure, or at least guiding um, uh, guiding topics. Uh, we're going to give some quick reviews over them, why we think that these movies are worth seeing just in general, uh, why seeing them at a drive-in, hence why seeing them at Knoxville Horror Film Festival would just be awesome, and how we think that they fit in with the uh, general spirit of knoxville Horror film fest and we might not touch on all of those in depth with all of these movies but that's more of the guiding structure of uh of our thoughts about these movies so with all of that prefacing out of the way uh eric what are some of your thoughts about the stylist um so i'm just going to do
1: a brief synopsis just because this is a newer film and i've feel like probably a lot of people don't really know what it's going to be about um but the stylist is essentially about um a hairstylist who is um very lonely uh she uh the film begins and i'm not going to go too much into this but basically it begins with her just kind of like working with a client and she kind of talks about how what she likes about her job is that she can kind of get a peek into other people's lives um and then you soon find out that
0: she uh well, and and also super, super quick. I guess, with oh, yes, the yes. peek into other people's lives, there is also uh, a line that I am pretty sure that the customer gives. That's kind of a driving theme throughout this movie. Of you always want, you always want what you can't have. Something along exactly, those lines. Yes. It might not be that exact phrasing, um, but the the opening scene of stylist absolutely sets the stage for the rest of the film in terms of um theme and uh and what's what i'm looking for and and motive for what's going on
1: yeah yeah she's basically a woman who's completely <clears throat> alienated from from everyone like she spins she she works in a position that is a very i mean very sociable like you have to you're literally working directly with people but she doesn't really have any kind of connection with anyone. She doesn't really have a family or, or anything. She's she's always on her own. And so, yeah, she's, she's really wanting. She uh, soon kind of befriends um, Bria Grant, who the name of her character escapes me off the top of my head. Uh, Claire is the name of. The style is the style. Anyway. yeah. Um, also, so since you mentioned
0: Bria Grant, Clear, played by Najara Townsend, which has been in so many films that we've uh, seen and loved over the years. So, uh, yeah, much love for the casting. Bria Grant and Najara Townsend. Yeah. Uh, two amazing indie horror actresses. And, yeah, great, great choices to have them play these roles.
1: Mm hmm yeah and it essentially like she uh, she's working with um, Claire is working with Olivia because Olivia is about to get married and she wants Claire to be her hairstylist for her wedding and then it kind of descends into kind of like a, a riff on something like single white female um,
0: yeah it is very single white female meets maniac meets there's, there's another movie like right on the tip of my tongue in terms of the other um, the other styling and, and feel of it but I I can't place it. The movie that I saw it compared
1: to a lot is a film called May um, by Lucky McKee that that seems to be pretty similar in in theme and and tone, Um, or almost like a taxi driver kind of film. I mean, we talked about Maniac being sort of like a taxi driver riff, so it's very similar in that it's about someone in a profession who deals with people but is completely disconnected from everyone around them um well and one thing i think it's it's, just 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 really quick
0: i keep interrupting you because like things that you're saying are like hey here's a relevant thought that i don't have to keep jumping back to i also love um I, i i love how even though she is working with people and you know she is always yearning for that connection and it's like oh but like she's she's always working with someone she's always working with the reflection of someone like A hairstylist just very, very rarely actually looks you in the face. They're looking at the back of your head. Mm, That's interesting, yeah. And when they do look you in the face, they're looking at you through the mirror. And and again, I don't know how much of that was like an intentional thematic element and how much of it is just my over analytical brain of Mm. her entire interaction with people is, you know, The the reflection of what she sees of them and then how she is also like then through various actions, (laughs) reflecting them in herself as well. And and again, I don't know if that's intentional or if it's just me overanalyzing but I'd say so, actually, because I mean, like whenever I mean.
1: Basically, whenever she starts doing the horrible things that she starts doing, a lot of times it involves her just kind of like looking at herself in the mirror and imagining that she is, she is reverse roles with the people that she's encountered. Yeah. Essentially, that she is the one who is in this in the chair and being pampered and getting to talk about herself, um, which is really fascinating. Like what, the th- I think the thing that I love the most about this movie is that you so rarely get this type of film with a female protagonist. I mean, and probably part of that is because uh, men are so much more likely to become murder serial killers (laughs) and that kind of thing. But, but I, what I like about this movie is it kind of digs into the kind of the societal pressures that women have to face in terms of like looking beautiful. And um, I I don't know. I, I think it's really interesting because again, you so rarely see that side of things. Um, you know, I think the, as, as, as men, we don't understand the types of societal pressures that women are put under to always be looking their best and always, um, I I don't know. The the standards are just, are just not the same between men and women in, you know, professionally. Um, and this movie I think really is trying to get to that to a certain extent.
0: Um, yeah. And i i could understand how um i could see how there might be some critiques um of this movie involving it not really being as action driven or it not being quite as like goopy and gory even though there absolutely are some goopy squelchy sounds Mm -hmm. and just like you know muscles tearing and yeah that the sound design of this film uh, is so effective um So it's so like I, I could understand why there might be people out there that that in watching this film think that maybe it's like too slow or too boring. Mm. However, I think that that's missing. I, I think that that's missing so much of what the film is trying to get at of it is much more emotionally driven. It is much more that connection. It, it you know. Claire is alone a lot and she does not have much dialogue and, uh, and and you get a lot of scenes of just her in silence, but I, I, I feel like that's actually one of the strengths is you don't have just some dude rambling on saying every single thought that comes into his head. You have that much more, um, you have that much more introspective look into her life. You have mm-hmm. much more of how utterly lonely she must be. If, if all that she's doing is just kind of walking around and not saying much, like, I, I feel like that gives you a better sense of the loneliness. And, and I do sure, yeah. feel like having this be uh, much more female driven, I, I think that it gives you a different take on horror that. That I think some people are going to miss, honestly. Like, I think that some people, mm-hmm. when they watch The Stylist, are going to miss the emotional horror of this movie and just be saying, like, all right, where's the ultra violence war? You know? Right. Yeah. Does, does that make that's sense? Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And, I, and again, I like, am. I, I think that that's one of the strengths of this. I,
1: I agree with you to a certain extent. I do think that it maybe could benefit from a little bit of a tighter edit. I think that there are a number of scenes of Claire just kind of walking around and staring at people. Um, which, I mean, again, like to sit in that and to try and like sit there and understand what it must be like to just constantly be alone and, and always on the outside looking in. Um, I, I do think you need a little bit of that maybe a little bit tighter in a few places but overall i mean it's re- i mean maybe just trim a few minutes not not even much at all um but it doesn't break the movie in any way right um but what i, I do love i think that uh jilke vargazian is a really strong director in terms of visual language and style um like it's a gorgeous movie it's got incredible lighting um like these great like it uses blue and red kind of neon lighting to great effect um without feeling like excessively
0: like retro porn type of thing yeah yeah Um, not not there's anything wrong with that some of my favorite movies over the last couple of years have just been like cramming nostalgia mm. down every single part of you Mm. and i love that it is also nice to have some uh like some of those nods to retro movies without Mm. it being just overloaded with (laughs) with nostalgia so yeah, sure it's, yeah d- it's definitely um, a nice touch
1: i uh sorry i lost my train of thought um so yeah no i i, I do think she's she's really strong visual stylist <laughs> that was funny <laughs> i didn't even mean to make that joke uh and i t- she also uses like split screen effects which i always love like i think that's something that's so hard to get right in movies and i love the way that she uses split screen to draw comparisons between uh claire and olivia's lives um, and then ultimately, the, the really the, I think the main reason to see this movie is for the two central performances from Najara Townsend and Bria Grant. They are both absolutely fantastic in the movie. Um, I, there's a part of me that wishes we knew a little bit more about Claire as a person. Like I feel like, I feel like I wanted more backstory, but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing about the film. It's like as a person, it's like, I just wanted to know because because her performance is so strong. It's like, I really wanted to know more about this character and why she is the way that she is.
0: Right. Um, Well, and and like you said, I think that's actually a strength and, and here's the weird thing. And I am fully aware of the fact that depending on the movie, I might give, I, I might talk about the same thing Um, in two different movies in completely different regards. Some movies I might say, oh my God, there's like no character development. I don't understand their intentions at all. Whereas other movies like the stylist, I'm going to say that I think that that's actually a strength of it makes you want to know more. And, and I I think that that's one of the things that separates um, that like is the dividing line between whether, whether or not a movie did something well or frustrating is are you mad that you don't care or are you intrigued because you want more information? And, and that's, that's where I found myself with the stylist of, I did want to know more about clear in a weird way. I also wanted to know Mm -hmm. less, you know, like part of me also didn't want any backstory so that there was even more mystery and even more like, Mm -hmm. why is she doing this? But yeah, if there hadn't been Any of that backstory, if there hadn't been anything giving you any of her uh, family history, I don't think that she would have been as sympathetic of a character. Like, uh, especially Mm. because you know those those glimpses that you do get of her past are such powerful scenes between Bria and and Najara. And um, again, like that, I feel like is where that emotional horror comes in. And uh, I I don't want to spend too much longer talking about this, but. This movie does such an incredible job of of showing those ups and downs of emotions. You know, like you see the two of them start to come uh, start to get closer together. And with how lonely Najara's character is, like you feel for her and like oh, she's starting to find a friend. Cool. And then like she starts getting pushed away and you're like, I mean, I I I get it, but then like she starts coming back maybe a little bit overbearing and then and so it's that give Mm. and take and that uh, that emotional back and forth that just gives this movie such a sense of of realism Um, yeah you know it especially with it being whatever like the week before um, Bria's character's wedding if you've ever known anyone going through like the pre-wedding stress and if you've ever known anyone who is slightly overbearing and controlling and like just the way that they interact with each other it's like oh yeah i know those people i've been there i know someone exactly like mm. that Hmm. yep i can understand why they're doing that hmm wish i could have done that like it, it gives you some of those feels um mm. it reminds me
1: too a little bit of uh, one of the movies that i watched for our 60s episode a few months back is persona uh, the Ingmar Bergman film. It reminds me a little bit of that and kind of the relationship between the two women and that they're both like very much pl- playing at specific roles um, and are kind of like um, merging in some ways. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know if I even really get to talk about this movie too much. But there's also there's literally a shot in the stylist that I feel like is imitating kind of the famous shot from Persona where there's like Bria Grant's in the foreground and she's facing camera right. Or screen right. And then um, Najara Townsend is behind her facing directly toward the camera and their faces overlap a little bit. It's very much a shot from Persona. And I hmm. um, I don't know. I like that a lot because I think Persona is inc- an incredible movie. And it was uh, fun to see a kind of a modern take on that. But from a more overt kind of horror
0: perspective. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I do think this is a very solid film. Um, th- this is Joe's directorial debut. And, you know, while the movie isn't perfect, I definitely see tons of skill and just a a lot of potential and cannot wait for her to make more movies because I absolutely want to see where she continues to grow. Um, I mean, even from the, the stylist short, she does have an incredible sense of style. She knows like she she knows how to present visually what is going to give you the feels And and turning that into a feature length and seeing again how she's grown um, through the various films that she's done over the years cannot wait for her next uh, feature length outing
1: for sure i'm with you uh, she also has a great cameo in the stylist uh and she and she's wearing a uh, a t-shirt of the ranger which uh, is another movie that that we watched at the knoxville horror film fest <laughs> and that we have talked about a
0: ton over the
1: years yeah jen wexler's film it's it's really good
0: um man i'm, I'm actually glad that you mentioned uh, jill's cameo last thing about this and then we'll move on to the next film um that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie not just because oh, it's it, like yeah. oh hey look there's jill But it gives you, again, visually, because I I really think that Jill understands how how to tell a visual story. It gives you so much character development and such a huge glimpse into Claire's actual life in that one scene. And there's a little bit of dialogue at first, but the scene or the part of the scene without dialogue it's like, yes, this scene alone explains so much more about how the rest of the movie is told. So, yeah, any I, any of those critiques I, of like ah, couldn't they say more or ah, couldn't there be more of whatever those critiques are? And and again, I can understand where those critiques are, are coming from. But any of those critiques, it's like, okay, watch this scene, and this is going to explain why the other scenes are shot the way that they are and uh how they are actually advancing the story more than you think that they really are but yeah i totally agree it's it's my favorite scene in the entire movie actually i i love that it is (laughs) it's so good i i absolutely love it all right, so let's start talking about the rest of the films that are going to be screening. Actually, you know what? Before we talk about the rest of the films that are going to be screening at Knoxville Horror Film Fest, we we kind of forgot to talk about why watching The Stylist uh, in a drive-in format would be awesome. Um, a, a lot of it takes place at night, and there's several scenes of Claire in her car kind of... Um, dealing with her own internal anxiety so her being in I I I do think this is a solid film. I don't know if this is one that necessarily like needs to be seen in a drive-in. Um I mean, I, I don't think it's going to suffer from it, but yeah, in terms of like, oh man, watching this in a drive-in would be awesome. I I I don't feel like the movie needs a drive-in format so much as the other ones do like man the other ones is gonna be so easy to talk about why uh they are like drive-in worthy <clears throat> excuse i me. like
1: that take though the the in the film it's gotta the character is in her car dealing with anxiety and then in real life you'd be in your <clears> car <throat> attempting to deal with the anxiety of everything going on in the real world <laughs> that's a fun take
0: yes all right so with that out of the way uh let's talk about the rest of the films and and again the right. other film screening are evil dead 2 uh pieces grizzly 2 return of the living dead and demons and mm. we've already talked but uh, god so much about evil dead 2 and not quite as much but also a fair amount about pieces <coughs> excuse me So we don't need to spend nearly as much time talking about these two films. Um, And we do have the four reviews of those, and uh, I will link to those in the episode description. But uh, with not needing to say as much about those two, what are some of the main highlights about Evil Dead 2 and why it should be seen at a drive-in if it's not already completely obvious?
1: Well, Evil Dead 2 is just one of the greatest horror movies ever made i mean it is it is one of the best horror sequels it's one of the best horror remakes it is uh <laughs> it features one of the greatest performances in the history of the genre with bruce campbell doing his uh his incredible physical performance that's very buster keaton very it feels very much like something from a silent era um i i I love this movie this I I mentioned this a little bit in our original review but this kind of gets at why I think this is perfect for a drive-in but like this is kind of the original gateway horror movie for me like as a kid I really loved horror books right because that was that felt like a much safer space to me than movies Uh, movies scared me a lot more than than books did but I remember with Evil Dead 2 the first time I watched it it was like all the kids in the neighborhood stay the night at someone's house and everybody was like Ooh, you want to watch evil dead 2 and despite the fact that i was maybe the oldest person in the group i was like sitting there like nope don't want to do that don't want to watch this movie but i didn't want to vocalize my opposition to it so we ended up watching it anyway and it was such a blast and it was like oh i like horror movies like it, it is the perfect kind of film to watch in a group setting um and i think that it, it it almost isn't as good if you're watching it by yourself you know what i mean i mean i think it still holds up but it's it's one of those things where it is an even more enjoyable experience when you're watching it with other people just because it is such a kind of crowd-pleasing over-the-top batty movie
0: see i i agree with the second way that you said that of it's so much better of an experience right but that's, the that's, first that's, that's one of it. it's almost not worth watching uh, that's complete bullshit I will watch this movie by myself, like on repeat. Like I, I'm pretty sure that there has been at least once that I watched evil dead 2, And as soon as I was done, I started watching it again because it's just that much fun. Yeah, It's so, absolutely
1: worth watching by yourself if you if you can. I, that was definitely not the best way to put it because it's, it's a fantastic movie either way. But it's one of those movies that is so much so like even more enjoyable with with the crowd. Right. Well, absolutely. And,
0: and that's going to be the case with pretty much the rest of these movies that we talk about. Um, yeah. And which is weird, like because Stylist is so um, internal, like I feel like it does in a weird way, almost actually benefit from being watched uh, in a pseudo isolationist way in terms Mm -hmm. of being able to get like that much more into Claire's head. Uh, But yeah, the rest of these are just bonkers and so much fun. And being able to share that laughter and being able to share those experiences absolutely make these uh, movies even more enjoyable than they are on their own yes uh yeah i god we we've done at least one episode on evil dead 2 i feel like we have done like five episodes but it might just be because we've talked about it so many times in other ways yeah we've talked about it with a
1: few people we did a uh, like an individual review and then i feel like some other person
0: well i know that we've um, talked about evil dead overall a lot like uh eb tolbert who is the graphic designer for uh for our logo yes um way back when it was me and lucas we did we started doing like a super in-depth conversation with them that episode (laughs) uh this is this is well before my time on the
1: podcast but i've listened to that episode and eb's story about going up to the evil dead cabin (laughs) is so amazing yeah. It is enc- like I highly encourage anyone to go way back this would have been like 2016 or 17 I think on this episode but yeah go back in the uh, video monsters slash Gargoyle archives and uh, check that out because it is a blast
0: yeah I, I love EB and man the stories that he has who and those are just the stories that he has told like on mic like other personal stories that he has told about his various experiences with the the friends of his and horror (laughs) movies that he's seen it's just like dude how are you even alive yeah um but yeah like i I know that we talked about evil dead with him on that episode we did uh evil dead 2 in his fear of decapitation weekend no 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 i think we maybe just did evil dead uh, during our personal fears series we did an episode with Kyle Kukta so like we have done yeah. a ton of evil dead coverage it it is f- just by far one of my all time favorite movies um you know like if if it was um if i had to restrict myself to five movies to watch ever for the rest of my life evil dead 2 is Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. I would go back and forth on which one would actually make the cut, but like, there's no mm-hmm. question that one of them would be on the, I can only watch five movies again for the rest of my life list. It is so much fun. Bruce Campbell is just dear God, I love him. Um, the Like you said, the humor is there. The gore is there. It's a great gateway horror movie because there is so much humor that uh, it sort of diffuses some of the horror But the horror is also there and the gore and just Evil Dead 2 is a perfect movie. Evil Dead is also a perfect movie in different ways. But, oh, God, this so great. Of all the ones that I hate that I'm missing, I hate that I'm missing this one the most. Even though it's the one that I've Mm. seen the most, it is just such a... It, it is one of the first things that I think of in terms of what is a drive-in like? Well, it's like watching evil dead. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe some I, of, uh,
1: sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is easily the best film of the four. Um, I will the four, like classic eighties horror films that they're screening at Knoxville. Um, I love all of them, but evil dead is the one that just kind of head, head and shoulders is stands above the rest. Yeah, stands above almost all horror movies, really.
0: (laughs) Well, and and I do think that it works so great on um, I I think that it works so great uh, in a drive in setting because of, again, some of that being in a remote cabin, like you're out kind of in the woods um, like as the uh they're not really deadites and evil too i don't remember when they're officially called deadites but you know like as the forest is attacking people i mean come on how great would that be to uh not be attacked by a tree but to be watching evil dead <laughs> get to one of the scenes where the forest is like just super attacking them and then be like i have to pee so bad but I don't know (laughs) if I want to get out of the car right now just being outside I I feel like is gonna um, I I just feel like it's gonna give it such another level Um, I I don't even know what to say about this movie I love it so much that it's hard to compose my thoughts because it's just like "Ah, that's perfect watch it why would you even question it it is why just watch it watch it right now stop listening to us go watch Evil Dead 2 and then come back and keep listening to us
1: yes absolutely like i just yeah um and then um so evil dead it is paired with pieces right
0: yeah i want to say that night one let me uh let me pull this up but i want to say that night one is uh evil dead pieces and and hold on this image is loading because my computer is slow and stupid Hmm. <sighs> okay uh yeah so it if they are screening things in the order that they're showing on the poster then uh evil dead 2 the stylist and pieces are going to screen together and then return of the living dead demons and grizzly 2
1: okay i think that's right i'm pretty sure that's right
0: yeah that's i mean again that's how it is on the poster i don't know if that's the actual schedule um Oh hey look! If I just scroll down, yes, that is the actual schedule. <laughs> so <laughs> Friday night, uh, the twenty third, is going to be Evil Dead Two: with Stylist Pieces. Saturday night, Return of the Living Dead: Demons and Grizzly Two: The Revenge. Sorry, not the Grizzly Two: Revenge. Yes, <laughs> get it right, Nathan. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah. So God, you man. <sighs> So part of the reason that Evil Dead Two—I'm trying to regain my thoughts—just I, I love this movie so much. Part of the reason that Evil Dead Two is such a great choice and why it fits in with the spirit of Knoxville Horror Film Festival is because last year they screened the 4K restoration of Evil Dead, and so you know, of, of course, it makes sense to uh, to have a little thematic double feature of last year was Evil Dead, this year is Evil Dead Two and mm. even though there were some great great movies that i saw last year watching evil dead in 4k was absolutely one of the highlights and if you go back and listen to our coverage from last year you'll hear me just gush and ooh and all about like oh my god i love it so much and um yeah it's I feel like it was a very smart decision to, uh, to sort of continue that from last year. So yes. So yeah, it's one of the many reasons why it fits in with the Knox horror spirit. Um, also just, you know, we've, we've talked a ton about our love for central cinema and their love of movies. And like, when you go there, it feels like going to, uh, to just a, like a cinema clubhouse. It feels like going to the monster squads, uh, little mm-hmm. treehouse thing. And Evil Dead just feels, again, especially Evil Dead 2, it feels like that movie that you almost gauge your compatibility with other horror fans with. (laughs) Yeah, right. Not saying that someone who doesn't like it is a lesser horror fan. Not saying that at all. People have different styles. People have different opinions. Totally fine if people don't like it. However when you, you know, like if you're standing in the lobby of Central Cinema and blah, 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 Evil Dead 2, like your ears perk up and like, who said that? I want to go be friends with them. I want to go talk about <laughs> Evil Dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I am I'm, I'm rambling just because of how much I love this movie. Eric, do you have any coherent thoughts while I try to gather mine um, a little bit? Are we...
1: Uh, I'm good with Evil Dead. I think, I mean, there's really no more that needs to be said. I mean, it's it's a perfect movie. If you haven't seen it, you absolutely need to. And this would be a fantastic way to experience it for the first
0: time. Um, and, and again, I will link to um, to at least one of our episodes, probably the one that we did with Kyle Kukata last year. Um, I, I'll link to yeah, that episode so that if you do want a two hour version of our thoughts on it, uh, you'll be able to listen to that. Uh, all right. So we already talked about Stylist. So let's talk about pieces. Pieces, yes one of the
1: one of the great discoveries of this entire podcast. Um, man, what what do you say about pieces? Pieces is it, kind of pieces uh, is exactly what you
0: think it is. It's exa-
1: <laughs> it's exactly what you what you think it is. Exactly, um, <laughs> that's the is,
0: tagline for the movie for anyone who's not aware. So, are laughing about it's exactly what you think it is. Like that is how the movie is marketed. You see pieces with a chainsaw on the front and just pieces. It's exactly what you think it is it's so true and it's so not
1: like it's the kind of movie where it it definitely does give you exactly what you what you would expect but also like it is so unexpected in the way that it delivers those pieces (laughs) 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 um yeah again i don't even know it's such a crazy movie that has absolutely no internal logic that is from one moment to the next you just have no idea like there's no way that you could guess what's going to happen in this movie at least not necessarily the way that it happens Um, and part of that is because it sets up a mystery that it doesn't really It puts a lot of like red herrings in there, which is one of my favorite things, the way that it's like trying to make you think almost like Clue in a way where it's like trying to make you think like that basically everyone in this movie could be the killer. And it's so fun the way they do it in a very Scooby-Doo kind of way.
0: Not (laughs) even just like everyone could be the killer, like going out of their way to like say this is the killer. See, see, like, here's all of the very obvious reasons why this is the killer. Yeah. And and when you get to the end and you understand, just when you get to the end, and I don't really want to spoil it because even though this movie is don't. almost 40 years old, I feel like there's so much fun in watching it for the first time and getting to the end. When you get to the end, you're like, oh, that is just just brilliantly stupid in terms of how well it works and also how much it's just like, really? Wow. Okay. Wow. Perfect.
1: Amazing. Love it. It it almost feels like a, uh, a spoof of Giallo films kind of, um, and the way that it's kind of like a horror mystery, um it's got so many amazing bits of dialogue and so many fun non sequiturs like I think one of the best <laughs> the best moments of the film is whenever um you know it's setting it up as if it's doing it's doing a typical setup where it's like oh I think the killer might be out here and then somebody jumps out and it's like oh hey it's my kung fu professor like it's a guy who's just like jumping out doing kung fu a little racist a little nothing it, it is, is super racist so, it, it's super racist it really is but um but like just the fact that it happens and it is so just out of nowhere doesn't fit anywhere like basically they just had somebody on set who could do kung fu and they're like all right let's just throw this guy in here because this will be fun to have i, I don't know it's, <laughs> it's one of those movies that is just like doing everything it can to constantly throw crazy stuff at the screen and it is working even though it doesn't always work it is working so hard to keep you entertained that um it is it's so endearing and fun and yeah i love it
0: yeah and our uh at the beginning when eric was like we should have just started with bastard bastard (laughs) there there's a scene in pieces where one of the leads is just screaming bastard because yet another person has been cut up by a chainsaw this God, this movie. So, a, f- a few episodes ago, when we first announced uh, the films that we're going to be screening at Knoxville Horror Film Fest, and we talked you know, very briefly about how this lineup was like made for video monsters. The First Night Alone is just such a perfect example of that because, again, Evil Dead 2, perfect movie, one of our all time favorites but both evil dead and pieces were part of eb tolbert's fear of decapitation week yeah so like again we've covered these before we absolutely love these it is a a great just i i (laughs) it is so bonkers it's one of those movies where like
1: I, I feel like when you look at a lot of 80s horror movies so many of them are sold on the poster you know what i mean like where it was like oh we can make a cheap horror movie but you know as long as we get like a really rad poster w- like a cool illustrated po- like you know because i mean this is the video store era so there's so many people right. who are renting movies just based on the poster art alone this is one of the movies that really lives up to its insane poster art i feel like so many horror movies don't from the time don't really do that but this one absolutely does
0: yeah well and i i rewatched it leading up to uh to this episode most of it I actually need to finish it before i log it on Letterboxed. um but honestly i I was a little worried that it wasn't going to hold up because it is so bonkers that I was worried that a second viewing wasn't going to maintain the same level of entertainment and hilarity and just all of the things that made that initial surprise viewing so amazing. Um, and I am glad to report that this movie does hold up in how ridiculous it is. And regardless of how many times you've seen it before, um, Mm -hmm re-watching it there's that same level of just oh my god this movie is ridiculous and like i had forgotten yeah. about some of the dialogue like the the one girl at the beginning who says something about like there's nothing better than uh getting high and th- like there's nothing better than getting high and making love on a waterbed or, or something <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah. Just, like that's so
1: god oh there's also uh, another thing that's amazing is that toward the beginning of the movie there's that scene where the person just like skateboards into the glass pane <laughs> and why
0: it makes and no it, comes, sense. It,
1: it it literally does not affect the plot in any way it is like you could take that scene out and it would not change anything about the movie other than make it you know, worse because that scene is amazing. But at the same time, it's like, why is it even there? Like what? It has nothing to do with anything. It is so, so ridiculous.
0: You've already mentioned this, but this movie really is like if Scooby-Doo met Giallo met, um, boobies in a chainsaw. Like I I, I can't think of another way to describe what this movie is. (laughs) Some of the comedy and some of their decisions are so, cartoonish and so dumb and so just like that doesn't even begin to try to make sense like yeah a person skateboarding into a mirror is something straight out of a cartoon and uh you've got um is it bluto from uh popeye that is is that his name i was forget bluto yeah, yeah yeah so it's got the guy who played bluto in the live action popeye and he is being He's doing his best uh, impersonation of Bluto uh, as a lawn keeper, gardener, manscaper, whatever. Groundskeeper. That's what I was looking for.
1: Groundskeeper. Yes. He's he's my he's the best part of the movie. Well, I don't know. It's hard to say because there's so much fun stuff. But yeah, he's one of the best parts of the movie for sure. (laughs) So funny.
0: This is the kind of movie. And if you go back and listen to our episode, you're going to get a lot of this. This is the kind of movie where when you talk about it, it's like, oh, my God. And this scene, oh, my God. And this scene, like there are deeper themes kind of to talk about. There are like broader conversations to have. But man, every time that I end up talking about this movie, it turns into, oh, my God, this scene, for instance. Yeah. Oh, my God. The scene where the dude uh it kills the girl in the swimming pool. And then everyone who sees the chainsaw <laughs> touches it. It's like, yeah. oh Bl- yeah, like Bluetooth sees the chainsaw. Like he puts his hand on it, and then there's the blood all over his head. And then the professor, <laughs> when he sees the chainsaw, he puts his hand on, just like, stop touching the damn chainsaw, people. What is wrong with you? Oh, so funny, so so ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, great. <laughs> oh my god, it is. I I love this movie more than I can possibly explain. It is just it it is just something is uh is all that I all that I really have to say about it
1: um, yeah this one works in a drive-in setting almost in like a mystery science theater 3000 kind of way like even and, and to just like being even if you're not like able to speak to everyone around you like just being having the energy of being in a crowd and just like hearing the buzz that you get from other people laughing and, and enjoying it like this one is, is again perfect for watching with a
0: group oh i i am positive that um i am positive that you would be able to hear the laughter come just emanating from all of the other cars like i think you'll get some of that with evil dead 2 but i'm pretty sure that most people who are going to uh to be at knoxville horror film fest have at least seen evil dead 2 before i think there's going to be a lot if not most people there who have already also seen pieces but it's also a kind of movie that not everyone's seen. And, and I do think that there's going to be, uh, some, some major horror fans there that this is going to be a first time watch for them. Yep. And so like evil dead two, you're going to get some of the chuckles, but like, you know, what's coming in and, and it's almost more of an appreciation than a laughter with pieces. I I can only imagine just how much laughter is going to be coming from these cars at, <laughs> at various scenes. It's, um, yeah, I, I love this movie. Again, we, we've talked about it before. We've covered it. Don't know what more to say. Such a great lineup for, uh, for Knoxville Horror Film Festival. And, and again, a perfect way to uh, to cap off night one. This movie is bonkers and I love it. And I hate that I'm missing it in a drive-in. <laughs> I, you, you, uh, you know what I need to do? Um, we might not actually be able to make this happen just in terms of uh, scheduling and well, mostly scheduling, um, but I need to set up my projector in my backyard. And Eric, you need to come over and social distance your ass like a good 20 feet away from me. And yes. we need to have our own mini Knox Horror Fest so that we can at least be there in spirit. Um, it's it. a great idea. Yeah. So we, we need to make that happen. We'll, we'll work on the scheduling. All right. Let's not, do it. Not that our listeners need to care about that, but... <laughs> If you are also able to do the same, if for some reason you're not able to make it to Knoxville, be there in spirit uh, and, and you will be glad that you did. You know
1: what About bet our listeners do care about?
0: Return of the Living Dead? Yes, Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> um, I am <laughs> positive that they care about that.
1: I, I watched this movie actually for the first time last year. Um, I feel. I feel like we talked about it a little bit in some way, but I don't remember what the context was. But because I, I don't think we did a full review. We've of it, but, we've um,
0: not. We've mentioned it briefly here and there. Um, but no, we've we've not done a full review of it
1: yet. So I've I've probably mentioned this a, m- a number of times, but I'm kind of zombied out. Like I, I think I've just been burnt out because of things like The Walking Dead, um, and just kind of the ubiquity of zombie films. Um, but watching Return of the Living Dead is it kind of renewed my love of the genre and reminded me why these movies are so great because and it's funny too because it's like it's very much the old school way of thinking about zombie i i, I don't know i mean maybe not old school old school is probably not the right way to say it but it's a very cartoonish over the top and like I, I think we all know that Night of the Living Dead is kind of like where the zombie mythos comes from, but I think that Return of the Living Dead arguably is, has had more of an impact culturally on the way that we think of zombies. Like, this is the film where, you know, we understand that zombies eat brains. Brains! And, uh, it's it, it's it's such a phenomenal way to reinvent the wheel um, from Night of the Living Dead, in part because it literally... References Night of the Living Dead and tries to treat that as if it was a true story, <laughs> where they changed the circumstances a little bit, so it allowed it to be both like very respectful of the genre while also carving its own path. It's it's a film by Dan O'Bannon who is you know most famous for kind of spearheading the uh, Alien franchise or at least the first Alien film as the writer, um, and it, it it's such a brilliant way to kind of deconstruct the. This genre, and then uh, literally, I mean, it's basically like killing it and bringing it back to life, uh, and reanimating it. It's <laughs> it's so smart. It's got incredible performances. Um, I especially love Clue uh, Guliger, and um, oh, J- James Karen I think the, the way that he tries to, the way that he's talking to uh, the. The punk guy who who works there—I can't remember their names off the top of my head. I did not haven't pulled it up. Um, whenever he's talking to him about Night of the Living Dead and how that's based on a true story, like that scene is so funny because of how sincere he plays it and how he's like really trying to build this up. Um, it's so great. It has incredible, like some of the best prosthetic makeup effects ever in any movie. I mean, the Tar Man is the it's the kind of thing where it's like it's so amazing that you want to stare at it and you can't figure out how it works but it's also so disgusting that it's hard to look at it for more than like <laughs> ten seconds at a time um i, I don't know man it is truly it, it's one of those movies that when i first watched i was like man this is really great but then like the more i think about it the more i'm like this is kind of a game-changing horror film.
0: Yeah, we absolutely are going to be doing a full review on Return of the Living Dead at some point because it it needs it. Like, we need to talk about this movie for hours, quite possibly four, like the number, hours. Yeah, um, ab- yeah. It, this... <clears throat> Return of the Living Dead is... <sighs> Return of the Living Dead is a movie that, like you said, gives us so much of what pop culture thinks about in terms of zombies. <clears throat> Excuse me. But in a way, it's almost parodying them, you know? Like, it's yeah. almost making fun of the genre while it reinvents it, while taking it seriously, while having fun with it. And it like, it does so many things that, uh, that you then find in later zombie movies. So... Even though in some of Romero's early films, you do get the zombies uh, like having a little bit of almost humanity in terms of um, like using tools or or you know like some guttural noises that almost sounds like they're trying to communicate and you know like there there's that whole um, that whole like zombie conversation of you know what is a zombie? Do they still retain any of their humanity? Do they still have? whatever but in return of the living dead like they they give a very good reasoning but it's also like that doesn't make a damn bit of sense type of reasoning for how they are reanimated mm. but yeah. like they're still alive but not even remotely alive and like they can talk and they have motivations it's, and they're smart and like these are funny because it's Like those kind of things feel so refreshing because we've moved away from
1: that. Like it drives me crazy that in zombie movies, nobody ever calls them zombies. Like it's like these, these zombie movies exist in some, like they take it so seriously and they try to exist in the real world, but it's always a real world where nobody has ever seen a zombie movie. Right. And that drives me up the wall. And this movie does not do that. Like it is, it's like, Oh yeah, these are zombies and they do all these crazy, like it has so much fun with it and just embraces the absurdity.
0: Yeah. And I love the explanation of like why everything gets reanimated and mm-hmm. yeah, the, oh, awesome. God, the ending of this movie is so like, well, yes, of course, that's what would happen if this is what you try to do. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, anytime that you watch a zombie movie and you're like, why don't they just blah? And they do blah in in this movie. And they're like, oh, God, and- so smart. Yes. Brilliant. Love it. And it makes it worse.
1: I, it, it's so great. And also too, I think that these, these are probably the best zombies ever put to film because not only are like, first of all, they're the scariest. Like if I ever had to face a zombie in real life, you know, everybody likes to talk about this scenario. Like these are the worst zombies to face because they are, you know, they're not the kind of zombies you shoot in the head to kill them. Like they are basically, you have <laughs> to just burn them to ashes is the only way to really kill them. But and that doesn't you, help. You know, you, no, but it, yeah, it doesn't always work, but it's like, uh, it, it's super scary just in terms of like, they're completely unstoppable. You could cut them to pieces, and they're still they're still animated. But also, the idea of turning into one of these zombies and being stuck in this kind of kind of immortality, where there is absolutely no escape. Like what? What? Like the idea of like even if you are burned to ashes, are you still? somewhere in there are you still technically alive in some way because well, you know you yeah, can't like, actually kill these things
0: i mean the fact and, that they have like skeletons that are reanimated so like there's no brain to kill you know like mm-hmm. as, and and again, such a smart way to handle some of these things that um i, I don't want us to get too far into this because i want us to do a full episode and be able to dive into all of this um but i i love that the motivation of these zombies isn't hunger it's not like some sort of animalistic or um uh um, like behavior that's been ingrained in them in terms of feeding these zombies it, experience pain and they're trying they're to dampen the pain yeah and th- this movie almost makes zombies sympathetic which i cannot think of another movie that's done that, the, uh, that- it, there are specific zombies that have been sympathetic as they are humans right, turning yeah. it into a zombie uh or you like know like the, like the one in day of the
1: dead or uh uh no dawn of the is it it's a day or day dawn? of the dead the one where they're in the bunker that we covered that i haven't seen dawn of the dead i've seen day of the dead yeah, so that's the one. i can't think of, of the, the name of the zombie dead with
0: but, bub and then bub, it, yes. dawn of the dead one of the characters when he turns into a zombie again like there's some or, sympathy as they are changing but except for Bub, like there's not many actual zombies that you care about He's given um, humanity. Right. But the fact that all of these zombies are just trying to escape the pain, it's like, I, huh? So with life the, sucks it, like, and it only gets worse after you're dead. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's shit. so
1: horrifying. And, and like, it's, it's, it's crazy too, because I think that um, the scene where they, get that torso and they're basically interrogating it is uh, it's a movie that has so much fun with the idea of zombies and it's you know really just trying to be super entertaining but like that scene where they get the torso and to interrogate it and find out why that what the zombies are motivated by by pain is legitimately horrifying like first of all the that that animatronic or whatever it is that they have is unreal i mean it is so scary looking and so believable and so oh my gosh it's it's incredible but yeah it's it's really sad and really horrifying like on an existential level it is terrifying um it's amazing that this movie is able to do something like that while also you know having the goopiest grossest goofiest types of horror thrown in there as
0: well well i also just love how punk rock this movie is like and not Mm -hmm. just because of uh the like not just because of those punks that are (laughs) a good what two-thirds of the cast almost like actual cast not zombie cast um But, you know, like just the overall tone is very punk and very uh, counterculture and very Mm. like, oh, you thought this is what zombies are? No, you're wrong. They're this. And this is why it's so much worse. And I I, I love the soundtrack. This movie is so much fun. But one of the things that I love about the um, about there being that sort of gang of punks and like getting to know them and getting to understand them and caring about them as people is you get a lot of that, um, you get a lot of that understanding of, you know, there's a pretty sizable portion of being punk rock. That is, this is how I'm dealing with the pain of life. I'm not saying that everyone who is punk is like clinically depressed or anything, but like, go back and look through society what? the <laughs> the the best punk rock music is when there are just massive amounts of civil unrest because punk mm. carries a message you know like punk yeah. is this is how we need to rise up and like actually make a positive difference um i mean e- even think about uh dead kennedy's nazi punks Fuck off like th- yeah. it's such a relevant song mm. um but like oh dude you need to see green room i i know that i need to see green room
1: got to see green room it is
0: so so good even though Um, this movie like does kind of play on stereotypes of punk a little bit i feel like it also has a very solid understanding of like why punk is important and yeah, it's able to kind of
1: joke about it but also like sincerely embrace it like i i mean i think one of it it tells you a lot that i think one of the most memorable quotes in the movie is um when i think it's suicide he's yeah. like you think
0: this is a f-ing costume this is a way of life exactly like, um like uh, that was exactly the scene that i was thinking of in terms of yeah. some of the connection between the punks and and the zombies and like the zombies are just trying to find relief from pain and and they're very misunderstood like yes they might be attacking people and causing massive amounts of damage but it's because damn i did not fully think about how relevant this is to like current um, civil unrest and riots and like why sometimes riots are necessary it's because it is that outpouring of just the overwhelming pain that's being experienced mm. and you know like society it, especially back in the '80s, was like, "Oh, punks are terrible. Punks are just the scourge of society. Like that's typically who is represented as a villain." But again, there's just so much pain, and how they're responding in uh, Suburbia, I think, is a great uh, example of mm, yeah. um, like why punk's important and again relating that to current society because it's impossible not to and uh how black people and people of color are just oppressed and yeah throwing a chair through a window not always the best thing to do however like don't you dare tell me that a window is more important than human life that is getting murdered and and so like there is that just when there's that much pain sometimes that's the only response and we've not done our eighties episode yet, but when we eventually get around to that and we talk about do the right thing, we're going to try to not have the entire episode be about do the right thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it'd be yeah. hard to avoid. Did not expect to, uh, talk about return of the living dead in the context <laughs> of, um, of racial injustice. But there you go. I, I think <laughs> there's a solid connection. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah you make
1: a good point that's i would have not connected the two without having these kind of conversations it's it's uh it's great that we have a podcast where we can do these things
0: exactly um this movie is perfect for a drive-in because so much of it takes place outside and like when i was watching it in prep for this episode i kept thinking i hope that it rains during the screening (laughs) not enough (laughs) to shut the screening down like, I, d- I don't want it to cause any damage to, uh, like, the, uh, the drive-in screen. I don't want it to delay anything, things. I don't want it to have a negative impact on the viewing. But I hope that there is just enough rain during Return of the Living Dead to really, like, put you in the atmosphere of the movie. That would be that would be awesome again i'm not wishing for enough rain to shut it down <laughs> so if that happens i'm not i'm not the one bringing that uh th- that bad energy i just want enough of the immersive um experience that's that's the energy that i'm trying to bring to it that That'd would be great be, yeah
1: all right um so we're trying to living dead great movie uh what's next is next Grizzly Two or is it demons okay So Demons, a.k.a. Demone, a.k.a. Demons 2 in Germany, (laughs) um, because it's an Italian film. So obviously the the titles and numbers don't make any damn sense. Right. Um, So this is a film that pairs very well with Return of the Living Dead because it is, even though they're demons, they're essentially just zombies um it pairs so well that it
0: almost pairs too well in terms of yeah i kind of wish that they were doing grizzly and then demons or demons then grizzly then return living dead or like it it, it, it's a great decision and they absolutely pair well together but again they are so on the nose (laughs) that it Mm -hmm. It almost feels like it is an Italian ripoff of of
1: Return of the Living Dead a to bit. a certain extent, but they came out the same year, so I don't think that's the case. But um, but yeah, it, it, it's crazy how how similar they are. They even have like a scene with punks driving around in the car. Who hap- I mean, it's plot wise. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I love that they're snorting coke through a coke can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. Uh,
1: so, Demons is a movie that is um, essentially. I want to say it's the movie that Return of the Living Dead would be if it wasn't quite as smart. And that sounds like I'm criticizing Demons and saying it's not a smart movie. But Demons is a movie that does not care whatsoever about telling a specific story about people. It is literally just, hey... We're going to put some people in a movie theater. We're going to lock them in there and we're going to unleash hell on them. Yep. And there's not much more to it than that.
0: And demons, so you know, is if visual beginning to end, like, yeah, there's a story sort of, but I don't think that there was a script. I think that there was a, Hey, this would be a cool scene. Like yeah, I, 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 think, yeah. I think that there's storyboarding, but no script. Uh, and, and again, that's not a bad thing. We're not criticizing it because, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this movie is so much fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun.
1: It's gorgeously made. Like, it is such a such a wonderfully colorful movie, um, always fun to look at. It's got an amazing score by Claudio Simonetti of Goblin, um, you know, because this is produced by Dario Argento. So, he's they bring in a lot of the same people from something like Suspiria uh, and a lot of Argento's other films. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: Paired with how- a, just such an awesome 80s punk rock soundtrack. Like, you got Billy Idol, uh, which... looks well, like a bunch of hair metal bands,
1: essentially. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a well, much and- more metal kind of movie. It's like the metal version of the punk movie that is um return of the living dead
0: well and and there uh, something else that i hadn't thought about prior to watching uh demons they're playing billy idol's white wedding when driving around snorting coke out of a coke can yeah. <laughs> and it made me think wait was white wedding about cocaine J- just and, and again I mean, because of that pairing maybe i wouldn't have thought about it otherwise but <laughs> it, if it is again it's so on the nose where it's just like Really, you're going (laughs) to listen to a song about cocaine while you're doing cocaine. See what I did there? Um, But it's also just... All over the nose, inside the nose. Just
1: brilliant. And yeah. Um, Yeah, it's one of those movies. I don't think there's a whole lot on its mind. Um, I do think that there is something kind of interesting. I I feel like there's a little bit of a commentary on... uh, Maybe not even a commentary. More just like lip service to censorship like there's there's one line that really stuck out to me where it's like it's the movie the movie's to blame for all of this because (laughs) in the film there were first of all i just love movies that have movies within them so they're going to watch this movie and the stuff that happens in the movie essentially is what ends up happening in the movie you are watching uh in the movie theater i should say right um so like i feel like there's a little bit of a commentary where it's like especially in the 80s where people blaming um movies on violence and you know degenerate teenagers and all that kind of stuff um it doesn't really do much else with it more than just kind of say like it it almost feels like it's kind of punk rock in the way that it basically feels like um lamberto bava and argento and and all those guys are just putting middle fingers up to the censors at the time (laughs) like we're just gonna be as violent as possible and as crazy as possible and we don't care what you think about it like it like the fact that it has no plot almost feels like it's on purpose where it's like okay you hate all this violence so we're just gonna make a movie that's literally nothing but people being attacked over and over where you don't really care about any of them it's just complete carnage
0: yeah there is zero character development like i can't tell you anything about any of the characters um other than they're all dead like Seriously, I I don't know anything about any of these characters. And so uh, kind of hearkening back to uh, the conversation about the stylist in terms of, you know, sometimes a movie leaves you wanting more. Sometimes a movie is frustrating when uh, when there isn't enough explanation. And then there are movies that you don't like. You don't care if this movie had been bogged down with a plot. I think that it probably would have been a little bit weaker of a movie like this is just a just an absolute gore fest, not beginning to end, but, you know, 15 minutes in to end. That's it. Like, there's no they're trying to find a way out. They're trying to find a way to stop it. But there's no explanation for why these things are happening. There's no explanation for what started all of this. It is literally just here's enough of a setup to get them to where they need to be and demon zombies, just everyone turning (laughs) into demons and eating everyone. And it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I love it and it's beautiful and it is goopy and gory. And I, I still don't know how they did some of the effects and the scene where the dude is driving around on a motorcycle with a katana because who cares about spoilers It is dumb, and I love it.
1: (laughs) I love the way this movie just absolutely does not give a shit about logic in any way. Like, whether it's character logic or the logic of physics, like... That whole ending scene is so insane because it's like there's a motorcycle driving across the tops of chairs in a movie theater, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> nope. Uh, and there's a helicopter that crashes in that they try to then fly out of the building. Like, what? What? That doesn't make any There's also the scene where, like, everybody barricades themselves up on the balcony and they just hear noises and they're like, oh, we're saved. Let's unbarricade this entire thing and run out there <laughs> to our dooms, like <laughs> yeah, which I know is spoiling things, but I don't think this is a movie that could be spoiled. Because no, this non-stop. There's,
0: don't go into this movie with any sort of plot expectations. Like yeah. if if you have to pee during this movie, you're fine. You're not going to miss a single thing. You might miss something visual, but if it like oh, what did cool I miss? Things. Did I miss some sort of plot? Devi-? No, no, no. Five minutes in, after you get enough of the setup you don't need anything else. Everything else is just pure yeah. gory visuals. And I, I love the ending. The ending is so <laughs> it is a terrible ending and exactly the way that it should have ended. And yeah. I, th- that one thing I don't really want to spoil uh, it. It's not unexpected, but there's just enough of a, huh? Really? That, that was your ending. yeah that's pretty awesome love it
1: yeah it's it's really fun it almost feels like it's just designed to be a demo reel for Lamberto Bava because he was so into special effects and stuff and go into it expecting a, a fun demo reel that's colorful and like just soaked in neon and uh Yeah, I mean that's that's really all there is to it. It, It's a fun movie. Yeah, this is a no-brainer
0: about why it needs to be seen at a drive-in because it's Mm. about people getting attacked in a movie theater. Now, granted, you know drive-in versus movie theater, but like of all of the, um, this is something that when we do actually talk about our '80s episode, we might bring back up if we remember. Uh, But we've talked about our on our previous history of cinema episodes, some of the uh, like peeling back the veil of the movie making process in the eighties, you start getting a lot more of the movie watching process. So, yeah. um, you know, you, you do get things like in the blob with the kids going to the movie theater and watching a horror movie while horror things are happening to them. You get stuff yeah. like in monster squad where they go up on top of the roof to watch the drive in. Like mm. you get more, not of the uh, like actors or the movie making process type of stuff in movies, but you get the we are living in a world where people watch movies, and that's an important part, and that's relevant to these characters. And so this movie is just so eighties, where the entire movie is in a movie theater, people watching the movie. Like it, it's it's almost meta, but like you said, no insult intended but it's not smart enough to be meta. And, and again, we're not trying to say that as a uh, Lamberto Badova wasn't a genius. It's just, I, I don't think that this was intended to be a cerebral movie. It is just, yeah. it's just a gore fest. And yeah, so it, it makes perfect sense why watching this at a drive-in is going to be just, just brilliant mm-hmm. and beautiful. And um, For I, 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 I really hope that uh, Knoxville has like little plastic masks that they give to people when they show up to watch Demons. I I don't know if they would have <laughs> the, the marketing yeah, budget awesome. for that, but uh, that that would be pretty great.
1: Oh, God. All right. So All right. we have one movie left. Yes. And it's Grizzly. Yeah. This, which, this is a bear well, of a Grizzly film two. to talk about. Grizzly <laughs> Grizzly Two: Revenge, a film that has... Been seen by uh, despite being made in 1983, I think, has been seen by almost no one. <laughs> this is such a cool this This is such a cool thing that they did because last year they had Gurdlerthon where they watched the original Grizzly, which was directed by William Girdler. and um, and then now this year you get to do Grizzly Two, which I don't know exactly how connected it really is to the
0: original film.
1: It wasn't necessarily. Made to be a sequel to Grizzly, I don't I, think. But, I imagine
0: um, it's probably as relevant as Jaws: The Revenge, especially since this is just straight up Grizzly Revenge. And sure, yeah, Grizzly the the extent of what I am going to say, I am going to elaborate. Obviously, Grizzly is just the bare version of Jaws, so I love the fact right. that Grizzly Two Revenge and Jaws what, what is it three, four, whatever number it is the Revenge. It's just. <laughs> uh could could it be any more obvious <clears throat> <laughs> um, so yes you were saying relevant things
1: uh well I was just talking about Grizzly 2 was is a movie that um, has was made in the 80s but due to all kinds of insane circumstances was never really finished until recently um and there's a really phenomenal article on uh, that was on the ringer about grizzly two and kind of like all the production troubles that it had. And it's a wild story. Like producers running off with money and, um, and the crazy thing too, is like, this was supposed to be like a debut film for Charlie Sheen. And I don't remember if it's a debut, but it's one of the first films for George Clooney and, uh, Laura Dern as well, which is so crazy that like actors of that pedigree were in this film to begin with. Like the, it goes into kind of like them talking about their experiences making this film. Um, I don't know. It's fascinating. It it would be so interesting to go back and see this movie now in retrospect, considering where their careers went. Um, and yeah, I don't really, I watched a trailer for it. Um, and it looks crazy. There's also this really, um, interesting idea where like there's a subplot in the film about a huge concert, which was, um, Oh, where is it that they filmed this movie? It's uh, like Eastern Europe. uh, Shoot, I'm losing my train of thought. In Budapest. They filmed this in Budapest at the time. And like the concert that they depict in this film was like, it's. they had a few different bands, but Nazareth was kind of like the headliner. And then they had like a fictional band come out and play to this real crowd. And it it was at the time, like one of the largest outdoor concert events that they had ever had in the entire country at that time. Mm -hmm. Um. And so like it's a concert film and a monster like creature feature at the
0: same time. <laughs> sure. So, uh, so that, would, that would Reese Davies well as with, a bear hunter. That would pair well with demons in terms of people going to a movie theater and being attacked uh, versus going outside to a concert and being attacked, and mm-hmm. how you're not safe anywhere. You're not safe indoors, you're not safe outdoors. Well, that's, that is a very smart pairing. There are monsters everywhere. Exactly
1: um so yeah anyway i i've probably butchered the story overall but i highly recommend people go check out that article on the ringer because it is fascinating the story of this movie I, it's the kind of thing where i like i almost feel like watching the movie probably cannot live up to the insanity of um of just like the story behind it and the kind of legendary status it's taken on over the years uh but at the same time i'm so curious about it and i'm sure it's gonna be just like an absolute blast to to watch it under the circumstances.
0: I feel so. I didn't have a chance to to read that article because I've been too busy doing everything else. Um, But I feel based off of what you were just saying about it, that Grizzly two is the type of movie that within five to seven years hopefully closer to five we will have a documentary of like the making of so that you do get more of the here's the insanity of this movie i have no idea whether or not that's actually going to happen but it feels like this is the kind of movie that would be perfect for that uh, in terms of because there are some of these bigger name stars like getting more of their Um, getting more of their take on it now and you know like uh, getting some of that unreleased footage and i i would i would love to see this in a double feature with a documentary about it because if the movie doesn't live up to all of that insanity i feel like watching why it was insane would add to the appreciation of the insanity of the yeah for sure so yeah uh obviously we haven't seen it because again so far it's (laughs) hardly been viewed by anyone um but i did watch grizzly leading up to this episode and it it is just jaws in the forest like that's that's Mm. all that it is it's great like it is legitimately a good movie part of the reason why it's legitimately a good movie is because it is following almost beat for beat a perfect movie um but, but that's fine. You know, at some point we might go and do a, a, a Jaws ripoff series because <laughs> that could be a lot of fun. That would be fun, yeah. But, like, so much about this movie is just, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen next because I've seen Jaws. And th- there's one thing about this movie that I was wrong about that did break from Jaws. Everything else, like, like exactly like, I, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And that was fine. Right. It was still a very enjoyable experience. Uh, and again, this is just talking about Grizzly, not Grizzly 2. But with as fun as Grizzly was, uh, I can't imagine Grizzly 2 not being fun. And um, yeah, it makes perfect sense to watch it in a drive in because, again, it's an outdoor horror movie and you're going to be outdoors. And even though we do not have Grizzlies. In uh, in Southeast Tennessee, at least I don't think that we have grizzly bears, do we? Grizzlies are more of like a we, Northwestern thing, right? I don't know. I know we have bears. But, uh, yeah, we definitely like that, have bears. That but. was going to be the thing that I was saying is even though I don't think that we have grizzlies, speaking of bears, we do have a lot of bears in in Tennessee. You know, like that's uh, it's almost our state mascots. Um, you know, good go to Gatlinburg and just everything is bear, everything everywhere. So. Uh, I, I feel like that even though it's not based in Tennessee and it wasn't filmed anywhere around here, in in a weird way, I feel like there's almost a a sort of spiritual connection because of bears. So, For sure, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, even within the last week, there was a bear running around in Chattanooga. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: So... So there's that. <laughs> it's just publicity for this. Uh, for the screening, <laughs> they're gonna be there's gonna be one in Knoxville. Same. Man, I
0: I hope not because uh, I think that they actually put that bear down. I hope that they, they didn't. Did, yeah, God, they, had, they always uh, why? Yeah, they had to euthanize it. Too bad. Uh, I'm, people are the worst. I know. Just He's gonna like, throw that out there. Bears are way better than people. Bears are better than people. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, grizzly was a lot of fun, and. The people who are going to be able to see Grizzly 2, I envy you because, well, I just envy you. Seems like it's going to be a great (laughs) experience and a great way to cap off the drive-in and just, again, this lineup feels perfect. This feels like a perfect, not only lineup for Video Monsters, but just such a great way to take the spirit of Knoxville Horror Film Fest and, due to the circumstances of a global pandemic, keep things the same level of fun and the same level of love for movies and and just put it in our, our unfortunately very shitty situation and uh, give people just an absolute blast so mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I, th- I know that I mentioned this on a previous episode I don't think that we've mentioned it on this episode um passes are selling out incredibly quickly so if you have not yet bought a pass to go to the knoxville horror film fest do that right now there's not that many that remain Uh, and part of that is because you know there's only so many spaces at a drive-in um one important thing to note is tickets for the drive-in are still based off of per person not per car so if you try to get like a van of 30 people you're still gonna have to like each person have a pass it's not gonna be um you can't just buy like one ticket for the van um yeah for for whoever that might be relevant for who thinks that they might try to (laughs) try to scam the system a little bit don't pay for per person uh and yeah you can go to Knox for additional details about the film festival, uh, for, for tickets. Um, there's again, I, I love Knoxville horror film festival more than I can possibly explain. It is one of the things that I love so much about uh, indie cinema. It's one of the things that I love so much about horror movies. It's one of the things that I love so much about living in Tennessee and it legitimately breaks my heart that we're not going to be able to be there this year, but, uh, William and everyone involved in Knoxville, horror film festival and central cinema. We love you guys. We cannot wait until the stupid pandemic is over so that we can be back there. Just laughing our asses off with amazing horror movies. And we love you. Hope you have a absolute blast this year. All right, Eric, any final thoughts about Knoxville? That's, uh, it's, that's about all that I've got oh, yeah, to say about that, that.
1: I think that covers it. All right.
0: Eric, where do you want people to find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at The Chimerican. That is T H E C H I M E R I C A N. Find me on instagram at Reviews and on letterboxd at eric jay
0: and you can follow me slash the podcast on facebook twitter instagram and letterboxd at video monster pod Uh, and you can also follow me personally on letterboxd at the gargoyle and if you enjoyed this episode and want to keep coming back for more of our insane ramblings about the movies that we love Just uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for Video Monsters. And uh, yeah, like and subscribe and keep coming back. And go enjoy some horror movies. We are in October. Not entirely sure when this episode is going to be released. Hopefully soon. (laughs) So there's still plenty of time uh, before Knoxville Horror Film Fest actually happens. But uh, yeah, it's, it's October. Go enjoy some spooky horror movies and be safe. We are still in a pandemic wear your masks please for the love of god wear masks be safe yeah and go vote and and go vote absolutely go vote it is very very vital vote vote like your life depends on it because it literally does all right that's been it for this episode of video monsters i'm nathan and i'm eric and remember kids bastards bastards (laughs) bastards Boat him out. <laughs> 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 Bye.